Coming up, why the Locked On Nets podcast was right about Nicholas Claxton, right about the progress of this team, right about Jacques Vaughn, and right about them adding one more key piece to push them over the top. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, friends. It is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie, owner-operator of DFSR, for all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel. He's got you covered. I'm Adam Arbrecht, breaking down the New York football giants on the One Giant Podcast my boy, Andy Mack. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Free on all those great platforms and tell you, Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. And Doug, feels good to be right. <laughs> you got me with the opening, buddy. I didn't expect no. you to be so definitive. Just call. I mean, I I know it's true. Just you know, yeah. write about everything. Never been wrong. Just need you hold. Just undefeated in the takes column. Now it's. Uh, I mean, we're gonna go through a lot of what we're talking about here, and just um, the season's far from over. But it feels when you sort of get. It always feels, and we'll you know we're referencing here in a second. It always feels good when you get some sort of industry consensus on other high level sort of basketball thinking about where what where you think the trajectory trajectory of your team can I'm screwed up there we go <laughs> there it goes I messed up the trajectory of your team is uh yeah it does feel good and again like you know the proof is ultimately in the pudding when it comes to wins and losses yeah over the last handful as we know 10 of the last 11 big games coming up here for the Brooklyn Nets as well but in recent last couple of weeks we've really we've talked about and been trying to beat back the walls the door around Nicholas Claxton not being the right player for the Brooklyn Nets. We've been talking about Jock Vaughn, who by and large the fan base has been on board with and winning will do that. But ultimately just where this team is going, the direction that they're growing in, uh, you have a lot of people. You mentioned people around the industry from Sarah Kustak, does excellent job covering the Nets on the broadcast with Ian Eagle, to Zach Lowe, who keep putting out kind of supplemental information, obviously hearing us first and then picking up that baton, that, that makes you feel like we're reading this and seeing things the right way. And the first component of it does seem to come back to this idea around what this team lacks, right? They're seventh in offense. They're 16th in defense. They've played some average to below average teams over the last couple of weeks. That's fine. But every time that it comes down to this idea, you need to go get that big, that rim protector, that traditional style five. Everything about it suggests, no, you don't. You need to trust the lane that you're in. And that comes with not only the, the high-level play of Nicholas Claxton, plus 7.8 net rating for him, which is the highest on the team currently, and then also the recommitment from Jacques Vaughn to figuring out how he and Ben Simmons play together, which so far has actually still yielded plus net ratings when they're on the court together. Yeah, so Kustak was on the Zach Lowe podcast, the Lowe Post, uh, and they talked at length about the Nets. It's a good, calls you know, it's a good, which I think is fantastic. Good, 
definitely a good listen. If you follow, if you listen to us or you listen, you know, you just follow the Nets on a daily basis. It's not, it wasn't like, you know, there was nothing reinventing the wheel on the, on the post. It's a national one. That's going to kind of bring everyone else up to speed, but it did confirm some of the other sort of higher level thoughts that we've had about the team, specifically about Claxton, how this, how the starting unit is working together. There are numbers that back it up. We've been talking about this, um, you know, at length, and just and I'll give real quick about that starting unit, and then we'll talk about Claxton mm-hmm. specifically. But the starting unit um, has, if you look at PVP stats uh, on off-court stuff, that this current unit that was you know proclaimed doesn't work together, you know, and can't work because of the Simmons and Claxton right now has a 1.07 positive rating on the season. Uh, the offense is 119, which is amazing, and then the defense, which actually you'd think they'd be better on that part of it because of like just leaning into the defensive piece, is 118. I do think there's room to grow on the defense. Yeah. So I think that like we're probably in a world where we see that number improve on that end once they're able to figure out maybe some of the communication issues on the switching. But it just it, it speaks to over 155 minutes. The concern that this lineup doesn't, quote, work even because I think most people would look at that and think, oh, it's getting destroyed, but it's actually not right. Like that was an early season thing that sort of has started to round itself out. So they are in the positive side. Um, it can always fluctuate back and forth, but just knowing that it has the ability <laughs> to be a, po- a really positive unit, you know, or a positive unit is a good one. And then there's Claxton and they, and, you know, they addressed the the part where there's an, there's a, uh, a group, a Nets contingent among fans that wants nothing more than to get another center in the door here uh, by, you know, by hook or by crook. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and that's, if you just read any comment, any post, any thread, anything on there, that is just like the recurring theme. And what we've been suggesting, and they kind of backed up too, is that that probably A, isn't true, and B, isn't the direction that the Nets are going to go either. Because there just isn't, there, there just isn't so much out there that would actually fit their needs. And there could be a lane that the Nets could try to drive down here that maybe it, you know, fits what they already have and then fits what a realistic addition to the team would be going forward. Yeah, and it's this funny thing about, because I think uh, in this instance, uh, Lowe gave the great example of everybody wants to go get somebody, and then it's DeAndre Jordan, and he gets to your but team, that, and they uh, go, uh, but yes. he can't play in the playoffs. Yeah. And, and it's that classic thing of, like, you want the guy, that's the market you're going to be in, and then you're going to be frustrated because he's not the guy. And funnily enough, there was even the conversation around Miles Turner, and I thought this was interesting as far as just kind of side takeaway was he said he's not entirely sure that the Pacers aren't going to look to extend Miles Turner and keep him around because I've been saying, can I say this? I've been saying that for a, a, a while now. It's like I the, look at the, the Pacers trajectory. Like this, that, this I actually didn't even get to that part of the podcast, but we've yep. been saying this. Um, you mentioned on the podcast. Couple, I definitely said it on Twitter multiple yep. times, which is look at the Pacers trajectory. They might think that they're going to be kind of good here in a couple of years. Like Turner might be just a guy they keep. And yeah. so um, I don't think, I actually think the trade wins is going the other way in a guy like him. Mm-hmm. And so, and then, and then also just mentioning all this long list of group, this group of centers that the people constantly want to bring in cousins, Whiteside, Howard. I can't believe we're still talking about these guys, but the, they just don't fit the scheme, right? Yeah. They don't. And like we said, we had one of these guys in the door. His name was Andre Drummond. He was unplayable in the playoffs. Like he needed to be benched. What is the point? <laughs> like, what is the point? Why would you give up an asset or why would you even devote minutes? Like, I, I just don't see it. So I, I don't know. I think it's, I think the, 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 the winds are starting to blow this way. And it's funny too, because you even mentioned inside of that lineup, you can feel, you should feel more bullish about the idea that if the offense is playing well in the Claxton Ben Simmons minutes, the defensive piece 
it actually might be reasonable to say, well, when we actually need you guys to figure out how you're working in tandem, who's going to pick up the bigger of two assignments? You can both switch, but how do you ensure that you're not getting caught into switching scenarios where it actually becomes a detriment for one of the backcourt players, right? Like the versatility can sometimes breed a little bit of confusion and you're trying to do this on the fly. So you could project that to get a little bit better. And I just thought also in a Brian Lewis article as a supplemental here, if you want to know, we always say, if you want to know how, how you should feel about a player, even beyond just watching the games and looking at the stats and understanding that Claxton is really good and young and going to be a starting center in this league for years to come. It might not hurt if you say, quote, yeah, what he brings is unique. It's rare to have a center who can guard perimeter players, guard point guards, and block shots at the rim and get out there and run the floor. He can play different ways on both ends of the floor. He's young. He's energetic. He's irreplaceable for what we are trying to do. That's Kevin Durant talking about Nicholas Claxton. Like, I need not go any further on the idea that one of the best players in the history of the NBA talks about Nicholas Claxton as the exact versatile piece that you want to have around him to be successful on both ends of the floor. Yeah, look, it's it's great when you hear Durant say something like that, and you can say, well, he's his teammate. Um, You know, he has to say something like that. No, he doesn't. Like no, no, he, he doesn't. Fact, have, no one. He once talked complete s about team that went out and won a game with him that night around a starting lineup and expectations. We've learned that Kevin Durant doesn't just say things that he doesn't think. Like that's just not part of his. Like it's just not part of his makeup. He's not made in a way to just hand out superlatives when they're not deserved. In fact, like you said, he will go the opposite way. <laughs> like when he actually <laughs> yeah. thinks that's the truth. It's a it's a breath of fresh air. It rubs people the wrong way sometimes, but that is the truth. So when he says it, you can tell that it's probably a core belief of what he feels about the player. And so, yes, hearing things from players can sometimes be just like a quote ad lib because like these guys are really, most guys and are really trained to just have very you know, vanilla milk will toast <laughs> ways of, of, of attacking or excuse me, of, of going with the media. Durant doesn't roll that way. So when he says this, and this is part of the way the team is made up, I think we can kind of trust it. Okay. Uh, I do want to get into uh, more about this Durant thing, more about these lineups, what's possible other solutions the Nets could have uh, and say, or excuse me, could have, and then maybe be done realistically head into the off season. We'll get into that in a second, but first, We're going to tell you about our friends over at BetterHelp. Unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user manual. So when it's not working for you, it can feel pretty normal to feel stuck. Look, the way the world is going right now, especially around the holidays, tons of challenges. You might feel unsure about where you're going. You might feel unsure about where your career is going, the family life, the relationship, becoming a parent, all the different stuff that life can throw at you. BetterHelp is there to help. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn about productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine that is called you. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient and accessible uh, anywhere, 100% online. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists. Available 100% online, plus it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Locked On NBA. And of course, friends, you make the Locked On Nets podcast your first listen. Why don't you go ahead and check out Locked On Sports today as your second listen? It's the biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less. Plus, 
instant reactions, game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day. Locked On Sports Today is available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast needs fulfilled. And I'll go ahead and just do a little double down here because I'm that kind of guy when it comes to Nicholas Claxton before we move on to a move that I think the Brooklyn Nets really could make here because everything about this just suggests that there is a key area of this team that could use the little bump and that does not exist necessarily on the roster. But he guards multiple positions for us coming over the weak side, blocking shots, putting pressure on the rim, rebounding. Coach Jacques Vaughn said the games he doesn't play. We miss him. It puts an extreme amount of pressure on other guys. There's no there's not another guy on our team that can do what Nick does again now. And you could say that if you're a fan and say this is why they need to go out and get another big because Nicholas Claxton without him, you are in completely murky waters. I don't disagree with the idea of wanting to add a little bit more to it. It's just I completely fundamentally disagree with all the laundry list of names you mentioned at the top names that fans throw out where it's like. This, this, I mean, I even saw somebody still in YouTube say Dwight Howard's name. It's like, you got to get beyond some of these ideas of players that you think are going to solve a problem in the short term, but completely fail you when it matters most. We're beyond that point with Nick Claxton now, where what you want to do is think about the ways that he can continue to improve over the course of the regular season and then be that much bigger of an impact player when it comes to playoff basketball. Yeah. And this is the problem. I think, you know, people just have trouble sort of dicing out in their minds is that, on the one hand, is Nick Claxton Joel Embiid? Yeah, no. <laughs> right? Is he Nikola Jokic? No, obviously not. We know this to be the case. I, no, no one is comparing him to that class of center. So I think like it's important to understand that to start. The second piece is, who is out there that's a massive upgrade over over Claxton that like you know would come in and play all of his minutes essentially? Because you're not going to play him with another center. So at that point, you're thinking to yourself you know, is there another guy out there? There really isn't that's available. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's going to be able to do a lot of those things. So this is sometimes the case for Claxton is as much about what isn't really even out there available to do. And the third to actually bring in, right? So you're mm-hmm. not able to pile together to get, you know, what are, like who are you can add Deandre eight and like these guys that are, that are better in a lot of different ways, but it would just take too much out the door. And the Nets don't have the resources, the wherewithal to do it. So that's the other part. And then the third part is, let's say you want a, one of these younger guys, Mo Bamba's thrown out, you know, I, I got to put a block, a Mo Bamba block on, on my Twitter because it's just every single day. He's fine. It's just that what, are you want, Are you at the point where you want to send assets out to acquire one of these guys who isn't going to be a needle mover? The Nets do not have tons of resources at this point with which to make trades um, and to upgrade the roster. So are you really wanting to send out some of the very scarce and few assets the Nets still have to a guy or for a guy that wouldn't be playing meaningful playoff minutes and is more of like a break glass in case of emergency guys? This is the other way to think of it. So when sometimes when we poo-poo some, some of these names – it's not so much about the guy. It's about what are the funk, like what are the other after effects of getting said player who yeah. loses minutes, what you have to send out, how much it actually improves. It's, it's kind of as much about that as it's about the actual guy. I don't disagree with some of these other ways that you could probably bolster the lineup. I'm, I'm just always trying. None of this ever. Okay. Here's the point. This is what I was trying to say. None of this yeah. ever happens in a vacuum. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. It doesn't just happen. Like you don't just one day point the Mobamba and say, you come here now, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Molan over, right? Like it's just like it, this, this is the, the NBA is not a game of Red Rover where you just point at a guy, have him come over and he's part of your team now. Right. A lot of other stuff has to happen. And that I think is like the unrealistic bent that a lot of people 
don't seem to grasp around some of these moves that every move comes with a marginal cost. And sometimes it's just going to be actually way more negative than positive, even if the player that himself is good. Yeah, and sometimes it's as simple as being like, ah, we're getting out rebounded. We need a bigger guy to get rebounds. And by the way, it's like I get that mentality, right? And one of the things that gets discussed about since Jacques Vaughn took over was more of a team mentality. You have Kevin Durant playing the most minutes in the league, period. He's played the most minutes in the entirety of the NBA, and he's also bought in on both ends of the floor. So I think like all of these things kind of swirl together where you're thinking about injuries, you're thinking about wear and tear, you're, you know, you want your superstars to be available when it matters most. And you start to pull on these threads. But another thing that I think maybe we look past a little bit too when we talk about the team needing to get bigger, and it's any team, but you need to be bigger, you need to have more size, you need to have more length. When you actually go in and look at it and you think about 6'11 Nick Claxton as they're listed, 6'10 Ben Simmons, 6'10 Kevin Durant, 6'6 Joe Harris, and then you're going to throw in, and I'm, I'm just saying Joe Harris's name is size, Royce O'Neal, six foot, uh, six in there as well, right with Joe. And then you have Kyrie Irving, obviously smaller in the backcourt. But the point being is that you actually can get bigger by not doing it solely at the five. You can get bigger by having more size when Royce is playing down and guarding and picking up a guard. Now, we've talked about before about both he and Joe Harris are going to struggle at times defensively when you put them onto smaller matchups. But some of that is mitigated by having enough length to affect shots, right? When Seth Curry goes out there and it's not to knock him. But you know that you're going to be caught on switches and mismatches, and he's going to be outsized even against guards, let alone if he has to play up. And I think that that's a smart move that Sean Mark Marks accomplished in this season. Didn't even mention TJ Warren in there. Obviously, Yuta Watanabe as well, right? So the Nets kind of got thick from two and a half to four, as opposed to thinking about we need to get this big bruiser who may not have even been available to kind of solve the, you know, this world solve that is Joel Embiid, who you can't just go out and pluck. Yeah, it is funny about how like people view the Nets because like on the one hand you might think that they're small, they're skinny, but they're not small, right? Like they're they're a very skinny squad. Yeah, um, no like two where, players, Nick Claxton and Kevin Durant, no two players in the league are probably combined to be any taller or skinnier. Yeah, and Simmons too, right? Like these are yeah, guys because yeah. when you went through the sizes, I'm like, well, that's a pretty big team, right? Mm -hmm. From a from a length standpoint, like that's a really really long team. Just those three guys, and then you add O'Neal into the mix, like that is a very that's probably one of the longest starting squads in the NBA, even when you factor in Kyrie uh, into the mix, right? So like. Mm -hmm. It's not a length problem that the Nets have. It's just like maybe a, a, a heft problem that they, that they have. And then you want to decide to yourself, like how many hefty guys are actually playing real caliber minutes that aren't like total superstars, right? Like after that, you know, yeah, obviously the Embiid's and the Jokic's of the world are going to play those major minutes. And even Aiton is a guy that we saw close minutes and Brooke Lopez. And there are guys out there. The problem is the guys that are like that, it's again, they don't grow on trees either. And so the adding them realistically to the mix. The, and by the way, that group is really small. Like the group of guys that is, uh, that is big and athletic enough to stay on the court and do and all shoot. these things. It's like 10 guys. <laughs> it's like 10 guys. Well, just like, go get you, one then, Doug. Just go get one of those 10 guys. And even when you add in a guy like Robert Williams, who like maybe doesn't have the offensive game that you would think, but like obviously brings it defensively. Like they're just, the list is pretty short. So it's not, it's, it's, it's not so much about that. It's just more about like, I think just trying to envision I think sometimes I, I want to just look at this Nets team and envision like what this current group could be rather than thinking about what it doesn't have, which I mm. think we sometimes get caught into thinking it's like, hey, how could this team actually 
pressure other teams with what they do have. Cause I think they do have enough firepower and enough defensive acumen to make it. So it actually just, we say it's, it's problematic for other teams. And we, we're just the way we are. And that's why coming up in a second, talk about a couple other players in the side of this rotation and the mentality shift that the Nets should have as they're winning games to say, no, you need to adjust to us. And also one player, I think the Brooklyn Nets should go at. Oh, and before we do that, we're going to talk to you about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. Pro football, they got the college bowl season coming up here. Obviously, basketball every single night. Uh, they got it all over there at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those in Bet Online as well. The fastest and easiest way to get all of your betting info, head on over to the site right now. Use that mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, so before we talk about, I do want to bring up the. Um, I think there is a move. I think there is a move to get made here. But you mentioned it there at the end of the last segment, where I, I threw these names in. Remember T.J. Warren six eight, Yuta Watanabe six eight, even. To the small role that he has, Markeith Morris, 6'9", who does represent one of the thicker bodies they have on their team there. He has 25, 30 pounds over a, a, a TJ Warren or a Yuta Watanabe. But funnily enough, each three of those guys, so TJ Warren, Yuta Watanabe, Markeith Morris, they can all shoot from the perimeter. Now, Markeith Morris can do things a little bit more physical. TJ can do a little bit more on ball offensively and Yuta Watanabe has shown himself to be capable defensively of being sound rotationally closing out on perimeter shooters. And we know 71% from the corner on triples this year never hurts for a percentage. So you do what you've done is, is again, just that size component of you've brought in more size, more length, and you've also kind of brought in pocket skill sets. Now you want to dream on, on some of these guys, Yuta and TJ really emerging with consistent roles as they have, as long as they're healthy, but, but it's nice to have those options. There were worlds where the Brooklyn nets were running out lineups that had six foot six players picking up power forwards and giving up five inches. Like it just was never going to be successful in previous iterations. This has solved a lot of those issues and now it's probably about continuing with Jock Vaughn to say, how do we refine this thing to the place where other teams have to scramble a little bit, especially when we start to bring in our sixth, seventh, and eighth man off the bench that dictates matchups to the opposition? Yeah, so I'm really glad you went there because that was like the next point I was going to make after this, and it's going to be a yes and here. If you think back to the days, it doesn't not too long ago here, but when it was the Harden, Kyrie, KD, trio and that group was on its way a fast track to win the championship who was the best defender on that group durant like he played center it was jeff green was the best guy no one cared about like how bad the defense was going to be because the nets were going to dictate a tempo a pace and an offensive firepower that was going to be impossible for any team to handle and therefore the defensive liabilities kind of didn't matter right like so my and my point to use that example and then to highlight the guys that you just said is to say there are, especially with the current NBA, there are situations where your team and your makeup can be, yes, a sort it can be an implied weakness, but it can also be an implied strength because the other teams do not have the, the, the wherewithal or mm -hmm. the firepower themselves or the makeup to deal with what you have, right? Yeah. We've seen in the NBA now there's two, there's competing styles that can go against each other when it comes to going to the championship. Look no further than the Celtics and the Warriors last year. They played completely different styles. And they both were playing each other in the championship. Warriors are like a read and react, constant movement, obviously generational shooters, 
And that's how they went about their business. Boston was, we're going to get to you on defense and we're going to go super, like super wing heavy. And we're going to try to get, make sure that Jalen and Jason can do enough offensively to get us mm-hmm. through. It's just totally, totally different, but they bought into the, stylistically to what the team had. I see the nets very similar to that in this case, right? It's like they have the pieces to make it very, very difficult on other teams. It just might not be the exact way you think about these teams. Like think about it in a traditional sense. But again, I think we're at a point in the NBA where where you can just be built differently than someone else and still have success. And we've just seen too many examples of it. And I think what you giving that list of all these guys that the Nets can kind of bring in that can cause problems for other teams is the, I think the better way to look at this team and frankly, just the more realistic way to look at it. Yeah. Well, and that's the big part of it too, because we, we understand the Nets are limited in terms of capital they have and assets they could move. And everyone loves to do the scenarios where uh, the, uh, the, the Kamensky brothers locked on Lakers had had an exchange with one of their fans and then ended up concluding with me responding with everybody loves the, my crap for your gold. It's the undefeated trade demand by every single fan base. And by the way, it's not just the Nets. It sweeps the nation across the NBA. But you have to be realistic. And you you mentioned this going back um, a couple of days, a couple of weeks. And we've said this for a while now around some of the best things the Nets can add is just healthy players when you look inside of their roster. It's also the easiest way to have continuity and to feel like you have reliable roles that these guys are filling. Now, the one thing I will say, is I believe that when you go back to this offseason and you look at those moves, you can kind of you see how well the Nets, Sean Marks, for whatever he didn't succeed doing in previous seasons, really did check the box of getting longer, getting a little bit more versatile across the board. However, the one area where they still are limited, and, and you could argue really razor thin, is in the backcourt along with Kyrie Irving. So Kyrie Irving's your superstar talent. You don't care if he was two inches tall, even if he's you know a little bit smaller on the guard side. He's electric offensively. He's bought in and at least gives effort defensively. What you, you want to do is to be able to pair another player back there with him. And I'm not even talking about starting rotation and upsetting the apple cart. I'm just saying, how do you have the rotational piece, like all these other players were mentioning, that you can bring in and start to create a disruption for the other team and what they need to do? And this name has already been thrown out there. I just, I, it's finally time, Doug, that I plant my flag in the ground around the idea that I think it's realistic and reasonable that as the Chicago Bulls continue to not quite get themselves on track here, Alex Caruso is going to be a sought-after player. Everyone knows that. He's a defensive-minded, I'm just going to say backcourt player. I'm not going to label him a point guard. He does a good job facilitating. He knows what his role is, and that's a big part of what you want here, too, for the Brooklyn Nets. Going out and adding a player like that, and I've, ran, I've run a couple of scenarios. The devil in the details is all right. Denver Nuggets, maybe the Memphis Grizzlies, a couple of teams where it makes a lot of sense. Cam Thomas ending up on the Bulls, a young, talented player. Getting Caruso in the door at six foot five, adding that length and defensive value, it might actually be like the role player move that takes this team from being 16th defensively closer to 12th defensively and you don't really lose a lot on the offensive end if anything his size at least allows you to maintain some of those matchups i'm not trying to overstate caruso's game right there's a reason why he's not an all-star point guard or guard in this league but on this team when you already have kevin durant and kyrie irving and some version of ben simmons and perimeter shooters caruso actually might be the thing that really does tie this together from a backcourt perspective and i just want it on the ledger i want i want it i want it planted my friend 
You didn't say he was expiring, right? I just want to make sure you didn't say. Oh, uh, by the way, on his uh, nine million dollar contract last year of his deal, so it's also no, it's a not. No, he's not. A, he's not on the last year of his deal. He's got. He's got two more years after this. Just want to clarify the. I want to clarify the length of the contract here. Okay, um, give me your perspective on Caruso while I pull that up. Yeah. Okay. So the the piece where he's able to add like a point of attack defense, like this is clearly um, a need for the Nets right now. And if you want guys who are functional and can switch into different matchups and not be completely oversized and like out and outclassed, like he does, he does sort of fit that mold when it comes to being able to make sure that even on a switch, like he's not like you think like Marcus Smart. I'm not going to say he's like Marcus Smart defensively, but he's Marcus Smart's not huge, but it's not like you can just target market Marcus smart like on switches over and over right. again because you're gonna because he's gonna lose a ton um on the defensive even if it's like against a, a huge bigger wing and he's super super smart i do think that it goes the opposite way where of what most people want to add which is size i do think it adds functionality he shot 40 percent from three on the year the lakers won the championship i my guess is he's down to like 35 percent as yeah. a bull my guess is that's a function of to some degree of looks uh, like the, the looks are worse with Chicago than they were with LeBron. So I yeah, think and that, assist like, numbers are up a little bit with Chicago. Like the, 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 the yeah, he's going to be a little playing. more on ball. He's a little more on ball than he was with, with uh, the Lakers. I do think, did you look up the contract? I, do, you I did, but yeah, by the way, you, you are correct. And I'll leave, I'll say probably it actually be in the favor of the Brooklyn Nets. You're trying to keep the band together. It's on three. He does have three years left, two yeah. years after uh, two years after this, it's a partially guaranteed in 2024. It was nine million this year, nine point four in twenty twenty three, and a nine point eight partially guaranteed in twenty twenty four. Which, by the way, like would be a pretty sweet player to have at twenty eight, twenty nine, and thirty years old is actually exactly what you would want. Pseudo lining up with the Kevin Durant contract and the Ben Simmons timeline, and having a piece you could move forward with. Like this would be the both end of good for this year and great going forward as well. Yeah, and I, I think it's from that point where it's like you know thinking Probably a little outside. So two things here as we get out the door. One, it's like thinking a little outside the box with what we traditionally have thought about what the Nets can need or want for this mm -hmm. team to make it better. Uh, two, I do think if the Bulls go in the tank, like he will be a sought after asset. Like I think um, that there, and there's a world where you can tank with him still on the team, right? Like yep. you can you can do like a mini tank. You have him in there for two more years. You don't have to just jettison it. It's not like he makes a ton of money that you're worried about, like you know this opportunity costs around the salary. So I actually think that the Nets, and this is, and we're gonna get to this later down by the tread line, trade deadline mm -hmm. tread line as we're going to start referring it to it now the uh i do think that we are also going to have to take a long realistic look at like what the nets really can even realistically offer some of these teams uh, because that is problematic you need like a half a degree in um science to figure out like what the nets have in terms of like of picks that are coming in and going out and swaps and all this stuff it's it is kind of convoluted <laughs> at this point i i do worry that they wouldn't have enough to bring him in the door if there was a bidding war. Cause I think that a lot of teams that are going to compete could look at him and say, he fits what we're trying to do. Anytime you're versatile, it's going to fit. Like you're, you're going to be attractive to other teams. Yeah. And it will be fascinating. You're, I mean, the Nets have some trade capital is some, some of it comes down to is Cam Thomas an attractive young player to a team like Chicago or anywhere that you're going to try to make one of these moves, right? Do your young players have value that you could say, and I'll throw in this body. And then ultimately what team, in the playoff picture, championship picture says Caruso's a guy we want and we're willing to go the extra mile, right? It's like balancing that sweet spot of us saying, well, Caruso be really good in our need and what we want for him. Does another team value him just as high or even higher? And where could that go? But 
If you want, if you want my opinion, like that's the mold of player that the Brooklyn Nets should be looking to add far sooner than they're concerned about Nicholas Claxton, Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, and the and what this front court needs to add because I just don't think that is nearly near the top of the list the way a lot of fans have been discussing it of late. And I think, yeah, I think just in general as Nets fans, like let's just be really open to thinking about non-traditional ways to think about the team. I think that's going to be a theme for us yes. going forward. Here is like let's let's think about what the Nets have and what like they how they can sort of push other teams to really have have problems rather than think about what the Nets don't have. Like let's let's operate from a place of abundance. All right, like this is what this is in our family. Like, operate from a place of abundance and think about like what we have that will work and not what we don't have that you need to add to like improve some maybe fictional problem that's not as big a problem as people think and it's hair long here but i know we mentioned in passing you mentioned there again when you Watanabe, tj warren seth curry joe harris all talented perimeter shooters scorers guys that have versatility like you have a lot on this roster that yes. supports kevin durant and kyrie irving so while the, i'll always give you a couple of names marginal moves that they could go and try to attract i again agree with you here until the deadline is about continuing to get sample sizes that says, can we be high level successful as we're currently constructed? Because it's always easier to look on the other side, right? Always greener grass, but sometimes your lawn is just healthy enough. And I think, by the way, Caruso fits that ladder mold, right? It's like, yes. hey, that's not what that's not what people think about when they think traditionally think about the Nets. And like, we can think about these and not. No one thought the the Kyrie Harden and Irving thing. That's that's two Kyries. The Kyrie Harden <laughs> and Durant thing was going was going to work because. And then we saw in a limited sample size, it totally did. Like you don't have to think traditionally about the way things always worked in the past. The game changes. The game evolves. Um, God, and then we'll get people out were just skeptical about cloning at the time, Doug. They didn't think they could clone Kyrie Irving successfully. How do they have two? How do they have Kyrie and man? Irving on the team? This is crazy. Oh wow, my God, there's so much ball handling. I okay, we're gonna get out of here. Make sure you subscribe to YouTube. We are going almost definitely to hit uh, 4,000 YouTube subscribers before Christmas. That was the Christmas goal. Um, if you celebrate or whatever you celebrate over the season, that was the holiday goal uh, to hit 4,000. We're about 50 away right now. If you are not subscribed to YouTube, make sure you do. We're coming at you live after games. We'll be live after the Warriors game. We'll be live after the game this Friday night as well. So make sure you subscribe to Locked.net, set those alerts, and you'll know when we're going live. Uh, subscribe to Locked.net's over at YouTube. And of course, Red Rover, Red Rover, let Ray now go over. That's the burbs, my friends. Enjoyed for this holiday season. Oh, one of the all-time great pubs. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.